All right. Uh, we are in uh, lesson two, um, and uh, we're getting through on question five. Uh, what does Paul anticipate when he uh, calls Christ our Savior? And again, these are through verses four and five of Titus uh, chapter one. Um, I may just let me go back up. I'll just read that section real quick, uh, just because we we get focused on one one section or and we get we forget the context. So I'll read uh, verses uh, one through five of Titus. Paul, a bond servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of those chosen of God and the knowledge of the truth, which is according to godliness, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago but at the proper time manifested even his word in the proclamation with which I was entrusted according to the commandment of God our Savior, in verses 4 and 5, which we're focused on. To Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. So getting back down to question 4, and we we hit most of it. Um, what does Paul anticipate when he calls Christ our Savior? And we we looked at the hope of eternal life and what that hope means. Hope is not like the world sees it now. It's a it's a a, a sure thing. Something it's just it it will happen. It's just going to be in the future. Uh, there's no doubt of of that happening. So again, the hope of eternal life. And then we focused on in verse four, Christ Jesus our Savior, and what that means. So. Um, uh basically the want to focus a little bit on the savior part and uh that's the anticipation of a savior who's going to give us eternal life so the hope of eternal life is not an empty promise for it is manifested in his word so we see that uh, uh written uh about eternal life paul plays a special role in the communication of this truth and that it was entrusted to him according to in harmony with the commandment of God our savior so he was commanded to to bring forth the the uh, gospel the the word of hope um and really pointing to God the savior and in this section where he's talking to, to Titus he's really focusing on the etern- the hope for eternal life and savior and what that means Christ is our savior he's the one who provides the uh, salvation through his finished work and the the uh, gracious offering of salvation through faith in in his finished work. So this places stress not on his person but on his work. We know God who saves men and women. So it's it's uh, it's really not focusing on him, but what his his uh, function was was to be a savior. So uh, any any further comments on that or thoughts about Christ our Savior? You know, there are many titles when we do this, and it, it sometimes it's just Lord, sometimes Jesus. This one is Lord Jesus, or Christ Jesus, our Savior. So again, this is focusing on the, the aspect of salvation, or Him being the Savior of, of humanity, or humans. So any, any other thoughts? I don't know if this cor- has a correlation or not, but <clears throat> Savior being Son of God, um, and then he's talking about true child in a common faith. There's just kind of a slight connection there, it would seem, maybe. Um, it just would be more specific to the chi- child 
and uh, mentor relationship in that, you know, the son and the father relationship that he's com- maybe comparing there some to some degree. Yeah, Because he could have said Christ Jesus uh, and left it at that, and it still would have had the same impact, but adding Savior also speaks to that function, but also the relationship to his father, so... I don't know. Yeah, the, the same Paul and Titus where he says, my true child in the faith, he, that same mentoring, same, so the father-son relationship. Um, yeah, that's good. I like that. And, and again, I, you know, it, it is just some of these words when you look at it and it, when you, you may miss it. It's like, and, and Joanne, I did go back and look at that one where it did add mercy to that one. It's the only one that he, he adds mercy to. And it's really interesting when you look at just how a word can change it. And this is Savior, where he puts in Christ Jesus, our Savior. And so that's just a little added to add emphasis to what Paul is 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 bringing forth now. And he, and he says earlier in there, the blessed hope of eternal life. Well, who is that through? It's through Christ, our Savior. So, again, a lot of, a lot of interesting when you get down to just some of the minor words in here that are changes, like adding mercy to the one ending. Um, so... Uh, again, I think, uh, uh, a special relationship between Paul and Titus that we see, and now we see the relationship between the father and the son, and what his, his, uh, purpose was to be the savior. So, um, any others? Otherwise, we can pull on here. So, uh, question five. What special authority does Titus have? Does he have a special authority? Yes. And <laughs> you know I can't you can't just say yes. <laughs> well, Paul left him in Crete um to uh the uh, new American standard says to set in order what remains. In other words, the church has probably been established there, but they need to uh, put it together, and as we found out, talked about, and we'll talk about, friends. <laughs> yeah, that's that's still funny that even today that that lasts. I never, I, you know, until studying this, I never would have put that together that you're a Cretan. I didn't yeah. realize that was because it was from Crete. They're liars. They're terrible people. So yeah. Um, so, so I think they. Um, um, to give to give a guy like him the ability, or the maybe the uh, I don't know I was going to say ability, but it wasn't. A, it's not an ability. The authority to appoint elders. I I would have thought yeah. that it would only be Paul himself that would do that job. Yeah, was uh, was Titus an elder? An elder? Yeah, yeah. I think so. You think yeah. he was? Yeah. Which, which church or where? Was he uh, elder Crete, to every uh, church? Crete, Crete probably. See, I, I, don't, I don't think he was. I think he was a special position that, that Paul left him in. Because elders are elders are for specific churches, and we'll see that as it comes down. That, you know, and, and he'll get into the qualifications of an elder. And I think he was just the the special one to come and set up the elders. And then once the church is established, it's, you know, then it basically elders arise from within that local body. But I think to start it off, Paul gave him the special authority 
to go and, and set up elders. He would look and go and meet in these churches and find out those people who were, you know, following uh, Paul's teaching. And then he would say, you know, set them up and say, okay, you are, and we'll get into overseer and bishop and those terms. But I think he was the one who set it up. I don't think he was an elder. I think he was in a special position because I think an elder is is specific to a church. He may be categorized maybe as the elder over all the churches of Crete. Would you call him? Would you call him an apostolic agent? Or? That's what. Yes, that's what. And from constable, that's what what he. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's what he put. He says an apostolic agent. So Titus, like Timothy, served as an agent of the apostle with apostolic authority. He was in. It was in a position of authority over the local Christians. Including the elders, so Paul gave him the the charge to do this. So, I, like I said, I don't think he was an elder. I think he was in a special position, as as Constable says, uh, apostolic authority, the authority from Paul, an apostle, to be able to set up and and set up these churches and set up the elders. So, wasn't uh, he kind of a troubleshooter too? Yeah, didn't they have trouble down there, and that's one reason why. Paul sent him there. Yeah, and and Paul will send send him to other places, Dalmatia and others. You know, he's he's kind of the guy who organizes and and helps out. You know, he's he's Paul's yeah agent uh, to go and help set up all these churches in Crete, which which I said you know what you know thanks Paul. I, I got set up in a bunch of churches with liars and creeps and you know the people you know, terrible people and you sent me there. Well, that to me says how much. Paul trusted Titus because that's that's not the the best place to be thrown is in Crete. You got to have you got to have a backbone. You got to have the solid you know uh, uh, word you know established in you to have Paul send send you to this horrible horrible place. So, but yeah, he was the guy who kind of went in and was established, which we'll see. And he's the guy who sets up all the elders uh, in these churches. So, um, uh. Also, it says that Gospel says a public reading of this epistle would have helped the Christians recognize Titus' authority and submit to Paul's instructions. So, him, you know, writing this letter, he could bring it to the the churches and say, "Paul, it's not just me. Paul has given me this authority." So, um, you know, we're gonna we're, we're okay. gonna get into uh, qualification for elders next, mm-hmm. and based on the reputation that the uh, Cretans had so wonder they found anybody there that qualified to be an elder. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting that at the same time that probably the one guy that had all the qualifications was Titus himself. Yeah, but you know, I, you know, you look back in Scripture and you know, in. You know, places where I'm trying to think and, and it escapes me, you know, where I don't know, Sodom or Gomorrah or, you know, there's like one or two or five people that are, you know, following the Lord. So there's always oh. some, some remnant or something that God uses. So even in the midst of, you know, a terrible place, there are people that he uses and who is, you know, he's worked in their heart. The Holy Spirit's worked in them, haven't fallen to the, you know, the calling of the, the local, you know, trash that is there. So I, I, I see that, you know, the, the majority of Crete was terrible, but there had to be enough people in there that were, were following or had been led by the spirit to uh, follow Paul's teaching. And, and that was Titus's 
position was to identify those people. So yeah, I I, I like the fact that uh, that uh, the Lord through Paul and Titus and uh, Silas and the rest of them, there's order in the church, mm-hmm. and there's a, a, a way that God would have the church. Um, organized and functioning. Well, so, we'll get so that. Oh, go ahead. So, so that uh, the coming to the understanding of what it is to be to have God as your Father and the Lord Jesus as your Savior and all that goes into that. Uh, you know, I'm I'm I've always been kind of a since I've been a believer how much. Teaching goes on to just teach people what the church here's what the church is, and here's how it functions, and here are the people that are involved in it. And so many uh, churches don't pay attention to that kind of stuff, you know. I mean, uh, and yeah. therefore they are somewhat disorganized, or or at least uh, going down a path of disorganization. And what we'll touch on a little bit of that later. Um, one of the things I, I think is kind of interesting is <laughs> what they established. Are we supposed to keep that today? Elders? Deacons? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, what he's establishing in Crete is what we should be the local church today. Yes. And he's given us the qualifications for it. And that's where, Mike, I think a lot have gone astray and I'll touch a little bit later on that where on, on elders and, uh, where the one guy pastor who leads versus what is called out in what Paul wants set up is, is the church, the local body and how that's, how that deviates and creates the problems. He set up and we'll see the qualification that hasn't changed yes. from what he was setting up in Crete. That hasn't changed. And Timothy's qualifications for elders. It, it it hasn't changed. It didn't say, well, you know, modify as you go along, or this is for today. No, this is the same requirements. So it's interesting, like I said, that what he's setting up here in Crete is what we should be today. So um, this Mr. also maybe. <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry. I, I caught you at mid-sentence. Oh, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, um, I know that we're going to get into a lot more, but in terms of Titus's role and in, in looking at it, like, I've got the luxury of my all my software in front of me. So, <clears throat> um, but yeah, it's just the uh, Titus is also referred to as brother, partner, fellow worker, um, and then also the true son in faith. And so, you know, Paul he's working through, you know, through this evangelistic mission, right? And he's raising up Paul somewhere along the way, and he finds that he needs to not only evangelize but start establishing. Yeah. And Titus is the the one trusted son in the common faith that can fellow work alongside him and partner with him to establish the authority of the church in terms of eldership and deacons and so forth. So Titus, I think that apostolic agent term really applies well to what we see of him in the scripture. Was he potentially an elder at some point? We don't know. But yeah. he would have been qualified, obviously. He was qualified to do the work of eldership but was he an elder in a church i mean maybe there's 10 different churches in creed i don't know but that's kind of how i summarize it in my head is that he's fellow he's walking alongside as a partner to paul 
Paul is evangelizing and planting and watering, and you know others are but, doing it as well. But he's he's establishing. Well, now that was what. Well, I, I was going to kind of go to the Corinthians, you know, where you know Paul planted, Apollos watered, and God created the growth. And I think this is where Paul went through, and now now Titus is coming through and doing the watering, so to speak. You know, he's setting up the church, he's setting up all these things, setting up elders. And, you know, for God to create the growth in, in that body. So I, I think Paul went through, uh, you know, kind of planted, planted the seeds and now Timothy or Titus is coming through and doing the watering. He's, he's making it grow by setting up and establishing the church, the local church bodies. So I, and again, I think the apostolic agent is a good term for him. So, um, from D. Edmund Hebert, uh, Timothy was not the pastor of the church at Ephesus in the modern sense of the term, nor was Titus the bishop of Cretan churches, as is sometimes thought. Both men are addressed as the personal representatives of Apostle Paul and had been left there at their stations to carry out the work assigned to them by the apostle. So again, he's saying it really wasn't, uh, what well, Timothy wasn't a pastor or the elder or at the church at Ephesus, nor was Titus, you know, an elder at any of the churches in uh, Crete. Uh, Mounts also says Titus may have been older, more mature, and therefore less prone to depression and the need for encouragement than was Timothy. The Cretan situation was also uh, less serious. And Titan was in less danger, I guess. So Ephesus, you know, they were chasing him out of town and doing everything. He, Titus just needed to deal with the liars. <laughs> liars and you all that. you that Titus could be older than Paul? Uh, no, Timothy. Oh, Timothy. Okay. okay. Yeah, Timothy. So Timothy, because uh, in, in Paul's epistle to Timothy, there's a reference to, about, you know, don't worry about your youth. And, and I think Titus was older than Timothy. So that's what you know, and and so uh, Titus was thrown to to Crete, and Timothy to Ephesus at the church at Ephesus. So um, anyway, that's yeah, that was pronounced that uh, he he had been he says Titus may have been older, more mature, less prone to depression, need for encouragement than was Timothy. Timothy, got it. So any other thoughts? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's thought. helpful. One, Go ahead, Russ. I I think it's kind of helpful to know that when Paul and Barnabas kind of had their parting of ways, Titus went on one of the missionary journeys with Paul. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of shows the trust and value of Titus. Yeah, I think they show several trips that Titus took with Paul, so or uh, on his journeys. Yeah, 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 Mike. I was going to say too that uh, the the autonomy of of each individual church is is evident. That they're granted there's a, there are guys like Timothy and uh, Titus around, but they're not, um, you know, they're not the cardinal or the Archbishop or anything like that. They they set it up and then they leave. And the the, the, the spirit of God runs the local church. And yeah. So I think that I think it's cool how the Lord did it that way. And of course, uh, 
you know, over over two thousand years of Christianity, it, it weaves back and forth between chaos and <laughs> you know denominations and all this other nonsense. But really, I, I'm I'm convinced that a local church has the authority within the church to do what it does and and act dep- uh, dependent on the spirit of God to lead them and and to focus on what is important you know which is like learning the word of god yeah and we'll get into a little bit two two different things one on the last question uh question 8 we'll talk a little bit about that with uh uh there there were hundreds of cities in crete so it wasn't just a few cities so local churches were set up we don't know how many but lots and then also uh we'll touch about it uh, a little bit now with question six. Why do you think it's important to have qualified leaders over the affairs of a local church? So before looking at the importance of having qualified leaders in the local church, let's go over what Titus had in, in Crete. So from Constable, it says the churches in Crete needed organization. The ones in Ephesus were where Timothy was when Paul wrote first Timothy have been in existence longer and seem to have been better organized. An evidence of this may be that in 1 Timothy, Paul wrote about removing bad elders. That's in 1 Timothy 5, 19 through 25. In Titus, we see no need of this. Paul, Paul prescribed an organizational structure but left it flexible. He did not dictate the details but left these open for local leaders to determine. Consequently, the quality of the church's leaders was very important. So, again, uh, the, the thought that he was setting... Titus had to set up churches in Crete, setting up the elders. And I, I, I think there's an incredible important point here. And this is, this is actually from my, my brethren background is plurality of elders. Plurality of elders was key in the brethren church. And I think it's in, it's, it's backed up by scripture. You never see that it says elder, like set up the elder. It is not one elder. It's always plural. And that is a totally misguided uh, direction in a lot of churches. You know, I would, well, the, the Joel Olstein or the whoever, uh, 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 MacArthur, any of these guys who are the main one single guy, and usually a pastor or a teacher, who is the one main guy, it's a dangerous situation, and it's not biblical. The local church was meant to be, by design, and what we see is plurality of elders for the leadership of the church. It's dangerous to have just one elder or one single teaching pastor who is in control. And there's a reason for that. If that guy goes astray, everybody goes down down the tubes. And And plurality gives you... Uh, you know, it's, we have a, I'm on the board of directors at Camp Elam. We have a plurality. I enjoy that because we're not all Charlie Browns. We're not all the same. We all don't see it the same. And so we discuss and there's different aspects from each and every one of us that has a different aspect of when we discuss things. Same thing with elders. Elders are to have, you know, different backgrounds, different, you know, uh, I know, growth, what different aspects of how they look at scripture, although scripture is true and there's only one, but 
but they can bounce things off because, <laughs> as elders know, all sorts of things come to you as an elder. And, and it's not all, you know, perfectly clear on scripture, like what happens when somebody comes to you with, you know, a drug problem or so, oh, I don't know, whatever, family issue. Sometimes it's not, you know, there isn't a perfect scripture for it. So you have to rely on, on the elders for their wisdom to address that. And it's better than having, you know, one guy. So plurality, you know, we have two. It'd be great if we had more uh, elders in the local body. But it, it always has to be plural. Yeah. Uh, our daughter, <coughs> excuse me, our daughter Anne in California is in a church that has one elder. And it really bothers her. Yep. But they're getting a new pastor, and she's hopeful that maybe he, and they've studied these books. They can't overlook what the scripture says, yeah. but they do. Yeah, no, it's it, it's very clear. It's never elder. It's never singular. And why do they just want to maintain total control, or what's their problem? Typically, it's personality, and they want the control. Sometimes it's it's lack of, you know, people there who are qualified, but it's a very dangerous situation. It's never good. It's not how it's not how Paul, you know, set up the local body. That's not how he he and his Timothy and Titus qualifications never about an individual. Usually, the guy who is in control can explain it away. Yeah, that, yeah, there's just nobody else here. There's just no one else who can step to the plate. But it's key. I think I think that's one of the things that really leads churches astray now is to have a single powerful pastor that is in control. And a lot of times we quote may have elders, but we have this guy who is like, you know, MacArthur or whoever. He's running the show. You know, the elders are kind of rubber stamping whatever he does or something. I, that that's an assumption I have to say. But if you have a pow- singular powerful man in control of a local body, it's dangerous. It's not how Paul set it up. And and you you'll get not only the qualifications of elders, but you also have deacons too. So not only do you have elders, but you have deacons. You know, so Paul was very specific about it. And and I think where churches go go astray is when they get off of what Paul set up for the local body. So that's my rant. Yeah. Um do you think elders are commissioned for life? <laughs> or are they huh? are there are there term term limited, so to speak? <laughs> what do you think? I don't, I don't I'm just Well, you put me in an awkward spot. Um No, I know, because you you were an elder, but but there are circumstances that change and right. the church isn't the same now as it was when you were an elder right. and that kind of thing, but could we, I mean, some answer, churches have, go ahead. I was just going to say, before we answer that question, can we set aside the qualifications and the character versus the yeah. function yeah. within yeah. a local body? Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, uh, I, and that's good because that's coming next. I mean, my question is, is a, you know, I have, uh, and you know, I know men that are serving a three-year eldership. No, or a five-year eldership. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, See, that I mean, kind of I, thing. I, is I, that I, legitimate? 
No, I'd counter that because typically it's you're voted in or you're, you know, yeah. whatever. And I don't think that's how you become an elder. I think what is is done is you you have you are led by the Lord to, uh, I, you know, Mike, I I gave you this advice before you became an elder. I know you did. <laughs> In, I should have listened to you. <laughs> I, I didn't try to say anything. I just, I just gave you some some tips, I guess. Um, yeah. You know, I think I think you are called. The people who who strive for the position are the elders that fail. God will put it on your heart, and it'll be an overwhelming burden for you to lead the local body. And and it's a burden that that you you are the Holy Spirit brings in you. If you seek the position, you'll fail because it, I agree. You, you'll, you'll, everybody has stinky sheep. You're the shepherd and they're stinky sheep and it's tough. And if you are not led by the spirit to be an elder, you'll fail. And, and that's really the key is that it's not a position that's voted on. Ultimately, you know, you're brought before the body but it's not a you know kind of voted on position. The voted on positions are for though or a three year position or things like that. I think are where issues you know come up and problems. Um, it you have to be called. You have to be to be an effective elder. You're called, and and it'll be manifest. You just have a burden for the body. And and uh, that that will allow you to go through all the things as an elder. And so I, I really think, and, and getting back to it, I don't think it's a lifetime appointment. I think you're led until the Lord lets you know. And, or you and become my situation, incapacitated. Yeah, well, I know what you're yeah. saying. Or, yeah. or, you know, like in my situation, the, the the rest were going in a different direction that I really believed in, and and I just, you know, step down. I, you know, before the body stepped down and, and didn't want to create division, didn't do anything. I just, you know, you're going in a different direction. I, I'm stepping down as an elder. And it was just my heart wasn't into where they were going. And they, they the, didn't change your qualification or your characteristics, right? And that's kind of well, what I was. Well, I hope not. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, going back to your question six here, why do you think it's important to have qualified leaders over the affairs of a local church? I think one of the things that at least is just clear that we could pick on um, out of the, the verse five is that he would set in order what remains. Yep. And and so obviously that the church is not um, designed to run in chaos. Uh, that's not how God organizes. And the ultimate answer is, <clears throat> this is exactly how God wants to organize and order his churches mm-hmm. uh, locally and, you know, universally as well in the sense that uh, there is order to the, to the, to the, uh, the church and there should be order to all of the individual local churches that mirrors the, the way that the Lord has set up uh, his relationship to his people. Yeah, no, it's order is key. And he's and, you know, we get into uh, when, you know, grace and different things we've taught, you know, God designates authority to individuals and, and, you know, either individual elders and he's given that authority over the local body, you know, and and that's that's he he has set up that authority. God is the ultimate authority, but he is designated for the local church 
the elders are the authority. And so, you yeah. know, he wants order. And if, I might, it, uh, I might and, make a comment there. Yeah. Being an elder, I know I recognize that, uh, it isn't that, well, you're, you're designated to be over the church and so you're autonomous. It's not like that. As a matter of fact, you're probably more dependent than anybody else. <laughs> Absolutely. In terms of how the Lord wants things to go. And, uh, you find a lot of times that what you initially thought was the direction wasn't the direction that the Lord wanted. He wanted something else or, uh, he wanted it slower or faster or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, you know, shoot, I want to get down. We're getting out of time, but I just want to, I wish I'd get down. Um, or, uh, I'm not going anywhere, Courtney. I know. Neither am I. I am. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be in Florida, Florida next week and, uh, Barbados the following, but, uh. Oh, we don't want to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, that makes permission me. from the elders to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll try, I'll try and teach from, uh, uh, down in Florida next Sunday. I, I can do that and I'll, I'll do a virtual, virtual one because there, there's so many good things in here. Um, and, and we'll get into that autonomy and, you know, uh, one of my last ones is, you know, the autonomous church. I, I'll skip ahead just because I really want to hit that and we'll give thought about that. Um, the the word in every city points to the autonomy of each local church. To be autonomous means self-directing. Each city was to have its own elder and elders. There was no central authority directing all of them. And I think that's a key is that, you know, look at the religions today that have, you know, just, you know, Catholic, Episcopalian, Baptist, whatever. They have central authorities. Was that ever in scripture laid out that way? No. No. You can't find it. And again, this is where, you know, we have deviated from what Paul set up and where that's where the trouble lies. You know, it's right now I see, what was it, Methodist? Some Methodist. United Methodist, yeah. There are thousands of churches across the country yeah. that are leaving the United Methodist Church. Right. right. Because, because of what the authority was doing. That's right. That's right. They never should have been under there anyway, but, you know, this is where this central authority was never meant to be. And, you know, it's interesting about that. If the United Methodist um, owned the church, Mm-hmm. The people who are leaving the United Methodist Church have to leave that church the building, building structure even, to them. Even though they funded Even their- though they were in that building before. I mean, yeah. it's very interesting what's happening. Talk about centralized, you know, it, ownership or it, whatever. It clearly is not what Paul wanted. Clearly not what he wanted. And And again, we're all, you know, the Catholic Church. You know, we were in the Vatican, <laughs> you know, go to the Vatican and see, you know, what, what the, you know, the central authority, you know, they are very gold plated and lots of ornate and a lot of money went there, you know, and what is that, you know, as far as the gospel? And so, no, it's I, it really, we're looking at, I think it's a great example of, of setting up lo- local churches, no central authority. Our authority is is the word of God. That's the authority. That's what we follow. It's not a, a central 
committee or central group that that tells us what to do. We are run by elders who have the qualifications to lead local bodies. And that's that's what Paul set up. And that's what we're seeing here in Crete. And, and go sing. That. Huh? You got to go sing. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you again just for this time. We thank you for your direction to give us authority uh, for the local body, the qualifications for elders. It isn't just uh, pick randomly from a group of men or those who just want the position. You have given qualifications, and uh, it's for those men who are drawn through the, the uh, prodding of the Holy Spirit to be in that position of being an elder or leader over a local body. And, uh, again, with the qualifications that you laid out. So we we just thank you that it isn't just chaos uh, that you have left uh, the body uh, in, that you have uh, established these guidelines, these uh, 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 structures that uh, will allow your word to uh, be freely given out and uh, taught to uh, the body. So we, we thank you for that, that you just didn't leave us uh, uh, in random order. Um, so we just uh, we give you thanks again for your word and just uh, what it means to us. And again, uh, we just uh, thank you for this time to open up your word and to uh, see about this uh, structure of the body. And we just uh, thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.